0: This is PSU Rowling the Project where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt.
1: Hello, 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 hello. I'm here to buy a dog. I wondered (laughs) if you could sell me one.
0: That's how I'd know that you're on something, is if you ever showed up to a kennel and were like, yes, it's time to own a dog. Dead giveaway that you answered a Craigslist for money.
1: (laughs) Honestly, she was probably about the level that I would be. Yeah. Okay. Well,
0: I mean, she ended up with the dog, so.
1: I guess she did. The cocaine addict <laughs> dog.
0: The cocaine. Yeah. Um no, but we're here to follow up on our uh, Jennifer Lawrence episode of May. Um she came out with a new comedy this last weekend called No Hard Feelings. It's been, you know, making its making its way across the internet think pieces since the trailer dropped. Um basically it's your classic r rated comedy um that sees a down on her luck thirty two year old j law forced to ex- answer a Craigslist ad for these helicopter parents who want her to date date their sheltered shy nineteen year old of a son cute yeah <laughs> it's a it's a weird movie it, like, you know, i I felt like I saw the trailer and I was like, "Oh yeah!" Like I was not like excited, but I was just like, "Yeah, that doesn't phase me at all." But I guess there was like controversy around the premise being inappropriate. I, um, I would, which I'm wondering if you were dialed into. Well, yeah. So it's like I saw the I saw the
1: trailer or like knew the basic premise or whatever and knew that Jennifer Lawrence was in it and was excited about the like Jennifer Lawrence and a comedy sort of yeah. angle and didn't really think too much about it. But then as I was watching it, I was like, huh, this <laughs> is interesting. I feel like that there are going to be like this, this feels like a movie that like 10 years ago would have like sailed through but in our current political climate i was like this feels slightly dicey to me um and then yes sure enough it was and people were not thrilled about it on yeah. different so you were
0: you weren't worried about it but you knew people would be is that what you're saying or were uh, you kind of like ew ick creepy don't like I, it i mean i was like
1: a little
0: uh, i think the thing
1: is I think the thing that makes this movie a little bit different from some of the other like age range sort of romance comedy movies that we've seen is that Jennifer Lawrence is like basically here just to make this money and also is like they're both age appropriate. Like neither of them is a minor. So there's that. And then it's not. We're Like, we're never supposed to think that this is a good relationship or that this is ideal. Like, it's always presented as this sort of, like, weird thing, and she's, um, you know, making money, and this is really supposed to help him be able to find an age-appropriate girlfriend at the end. Right. So, like, I... Cause the controversy is to get into that, I guess if we want to start with it, is that the premise is that she's 32, he's 19, his parents hire her to date him, but more specifically to have sex with him. Yeah. Um, and flower him. Yes. And so, so she (laughs) like unbeknownst to him sort of catfishes him, I guess kind of like she goes and, um, meets him at his workplace and pretends that she doesn't know who he is. And then she's really into him. Um, and they eventually, you know, sort of start dating and start this relationship, all with the goal that she will have sex with him so that she can get this car from her par- from the parents. Um, which is just a wild premise in general that I guess we'll circle back to. But the, yeah, there's been a lot of controversy, I guess, around the fact that this is sort of a groomer movie of like, here's this adult who's, um, you know, going out of their way to get this Younger person to have sex with them Even though he is 19 He's like very sheltered He doesn't know very much He's not very mature And she's taking advantage of that in some ways And I do think that it mm-hmm. does Like like one of the criticisms I saw Was like if, if the genders had been swapped for this And it was like a 19 year old girl And a 32 year old man That you know everybody would have been up in arms about it And in some ways I think like the power dynamic Is obviously different with the genders i mean that's
0: literally like yeah 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 right well well and i'm saying that
1: there are lots of movies that have (laughs) you know come out that have that premise and have done perfectly well and nobody has batted an eye that i think should have been looked at a little bit more uh seriously but i think that that is part of the reason why um yeah like this went through so easily with production and stuff probably because it's like oh well it's a girl and the guy is the one being taken advantage of rather than the other way around um
0: well, yeah well I, don't know. I did guess, you not have yeah. any problems with it
1: I feel like you I generally honestly like, didn't. you're more Isn't likely to weird? have problems I know I literally
0: didn't even think about it until I was post movie reviewing like some reading some reviews and like saw oh uh cast has to respond to controversy around premise and I guess like I guess to me, I think, you know, media literacy (laughs) is kind of a thing that people need to engage with, I think, critically. Like, there's a lot of reactionary, um, you know, quote unquote hot takes um, that can happen based on like a headline or a, a tweet or whatever. And I think there's this tendency to react and figure out the details later, whereas with some things some things it's better to like read the context and understand like what is being attempted here because obviously I do have issues with like platforming abusers or platforming like problematic or or kind of like justifying or excusing or normalizing problematic behavior and like you know we've talked about on this podcast how I don't like things like the whale or I don't trust um Woody Allen movies and those angles and like I don't think Roman Polanski should have a career and I feel like Brian Singer and David O. Russell maybe shouldn't be able to make art while abusing their employees type thing. Um, And so I recognize that there's like nuance where like I don't like things like nocturnal animals that features a revenge rape fantasy. I feel like that a lot of euphoria and Sam Levinson is very like Gross and exploitative of young actresses, um, but I think there's just something about this that felt so like unproblematic because it felt so like you know madcap, kind of like absurd. It it was like a Shakespearean story, and I think I think there's goodness in like. Critically examining the patterns and, like, um, kind of like stories that get made and the continued sexism or misogyny or abuse or whatever that's standardized in media. But to me, it's also like, well, can you criticize a mere premise when that premise is the joke? You know what I mean? Like, it's like you cannot like it and you cannot engage with it, but it's ultimately. The punchline itself is the problem you have. So it seems like, you know, this movie, like you were saying, isn't trying to say, oh, look at this romance, isn't it sweet? Oh, look at this uh, comedy, isn't hysterical to watch her, you know, like assault a boy, like you know. So there was something in it that felt like acceptable within the windows of our (laughs) media landscape, where it's not like, oh, this is actually bad and I just didn't think about it because I've had decades of these movies. It's more like, oh, I recognize that this is a, you know, kind of trope or pattern that's been utilized in various different ways and this doesn't feel harmful exactly because like there was no harm done. Like the movie – doesn't justify it. The movie doesn't romanticize it. The movie doesn't try to be like, Isn't she normal for doing this? Like, yes, there's some, you know, details to it that I think we could get into, but ultimately it felt like such a non controversy to me. And maybe that's because it's <sighs> like I come from a landscape of many a rom com where. The absurdism is just something you use as an entry point, and then it's just, look at these characters. Like, every single rom-com is illogical. You've Got male at its core, is a problematic catfishing rom-com, but boy, does it get me misty-eyed. Like, Pretty Woman is a disturbing, <laughs> you know, power imbalance that literally creeps me the F out but it's successful because there's, you know, charm or interesting conversations around sex worker or whatever it is. And failure to launch has the exact same premise here, but it's like, you know, this is dialed in for our Gen Z helicopter parenting, like mindset of the day. So it just feels like you have to get through the door on whatever absurdist comedy angle there is, whether that's, mike and alex need a wedding date or whatever or set it up or you know like every single comedy has an absolute bonkers illogical weird convenient entry point yeah i guess like
1: if your point is sort of like oh it's so outlandish that we like can't be taking it seriously in that regard like i do think that that make sense to me in some ways. I didn't really have an issue with it. I I just sort of like as I was watching, like I didn't have an issue with it because I think it does like sort of work and all sort of play out and that is, you know, they are both of legal age and I think that like sort of the things that the movie is trying to say are not like, oh, this is a great thing. But I did sort of just wonder like at when boardrooms were discussing, you know, okay, we have all of these comedy scripts coming in. Like, do we want to do one about like a 32 year old who's hired to have uh sex with a 19 year old by their parents and doesn't know it's kind of like, uh, like, mm, like maybe that one's a little bit more dicey than some of the other types of, you know, rom-coms that have come out recently. Um, But yeah, no, I I honestly the thing that I thought was the most interesting about this movie is like I was very excited to watch it and I saw like reviews coming out that were like rave, rave, rave reviews of this movie. Like this is Mm. the best movie, like it saved comedy, like this is the funniest thing I've seen in theaters in years, you know, so not that I went into it with like necessarily high expectations, but I was like prepared to see a movie that was really Good, and mm-hmm. I found this to be pretty like mediocre in most respects. Um, like I thought there were parts that were funny, but I didn't think it was like Bridesmaids kind of like level hysterical. And well,
0: bridesmaid is one of the most overrated films ever made. But I I agree with your premise. Yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> um, and then and then there were uh, you know, or like um, or like Spy or something, you know, where it's just like I'm like dead laughing the yeah, entire yeah. time. Um. And I also felt like, I mean, it's it's like sort of a rom-com, but it's not really a rom-com because it's, you know, not like they don't end up together at the end, obviously, which you sort of know from the jump won't happen. Um, and yeah, I I felt like it was okay, but like is sort of a plain movie that you don't really need <laughs> to see in theaters and like could maybe watch yeah. like it's the third movie while you're flying from you know, New York to Istanbul, and that's probably <laughs> like a good time to watch this. Um, I also think that this is sort of where we maybe diverge on like the comedy landscape, and comedy is so subjective. Where I like a move if if I'm watching a comedy, I feel like it either needs to be like very heightened, extreme, sort of the entire time, or more grounded realist yeah. for most of the time like yeah. you've got mail is a comedy that like yes there are you know slightly like absurd things to it but it's like pretty based in the real world and most of the humor is like pretty real world humor yeah yeah and, and then you have like a raunchy r-rated yeah. yeah or like super bad or book smart are all yeah. kind of like you know normal like movies and then you have comedies where like the premises are absolutely deranged um you know like isn't it romantic or something that's like so (laughs) out in the in the ether that the whole thing is wonky i don't love a movie where like the premise is really bizarre like there's no way in the world it would ever happen and then they try to play other parts of the movie as if like it's more realistic like it just kind of doesn't work for me and so that's where i felt like this landed was the premise was so bonkers and then there were other bonkers moments throughout the movie that were like oh yeah this is outlandish and isn't realistic but then there were other moments where i felt like they sort of wanted it to be more like heartfelt or realistic or or um I don't know, just more like norm core kind of stuff. And I was like this, like, you need to pick a lane here because this isn't working for me. This, like, well, I mean, steering to be fair,
0: forth. this is based on a real Craigslist ad that they saw and were like, who the F would do that? Like, what kind of parent would do that? And then they just wrote this story. Um, and And so I think we have to acknowledge that there is a universe where these helicopter parents would be worried about socializing their kid after isolating him for so long and like how do you kind of explore that humorously i mean i i i can so it didn't s- feel like that like it wasn't th- like the most stunty thing was the holding on a car and like avoiding your death through drowning and train you know collision yeah otherwise, it was all like real you know nothing stood out as like especially bonkers right
1: i mean i feel like the scene where she like attacks the kids like naked on the beach was also a little bit like oh okay (laughs) um and i guess it was just more of like i do think that there that this could have been a premise that was executed in like a more low key sort of normal way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think like her character is so extreme in a lot of ways and his character is so extreme. And then the, like the whole interactions with like the parents are so bizarre that it just doesn't feel like it's in the real world. But then in, in, the sort of opening moments of it. And even with like the boot, like the car boot at the beginning and that, like that scene feels very like scripty, but then there are other scenes that like within their relationship with Jennifer Lawrence and the boy that I think they want to feel very, you know, like perks of being a wallflowery kind (laughs) of uh, energy. And I just wasn't quite like on board with it. I didn't hate the movie. I enjoyed watching it, but it wasn't, I was not like, wow, this is the best thing that's come out in no, years. Yeah.
0: yeah, and I don't want to get on the boat of, uh, you know, championing this film. It's definitely not, like you said, it's kind of just like a serviceable bread and butter, like R-rated comedy that kind of serves as a reminder for why those have kind of fallen out of vogue. You know, you see one throat punch, you've seen them all type thing. Um, there's not necessarily a lot, going on here. I think Jennifer Lawrence is very watchable. I honestly also was impressed by the the kid, Andrew, what's his name? Andrew Barth Feldman, which is also an interesting backstory because they wrote this script. They thought of Jennifer Lawrence for it. You know, she helped produce it. And then they were casting for this like, you know, 19 year old who's kind of dorky and unexperienced and and they found this guy who really the only (laughs) claim to fame is that he starred on a run of Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway after you know a couple of highlights in his high school um theater program and then he was going to Harvard and in the middle of his like first semester uh auditioned for this role got the part and had to like defer out of literal Harvard and so I think there was like a charm to their weird friendship that felt enjoyable enough to me that it wasn't distracting. I mean, I think they pointed out this double standard, but like all these criticisms around the age gap, like Jennifer Lawrence literally won an Oscar for her love story, her equally madcap rom-com moment in Silver Linings Playbook where she was 14 years younger than him And like, you know, obviously there's a little bit more age overall, but she was still like, what, 22, 24 in that film? And like, I think it's just the pearl clutching for me is kind of strange because it just seems like the least interesting part of a film that very quickly pivots to like, oh, you have to make real connections. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, Yes, she keeps trying to bang him because that's the way she'll get to the car, but he keeps on like, you know, refusing to put out, as he says at one point, because he like needs that emotional connection. And so it is their like age differences and their callousness towards the world that puts them at odds and allows them to open up. So really, this is a coming of age story for both of them, if you think about it.
1: Yeah, and I really liked that portion of it more. Like, I think I think the version of this movie that I like the most is more like a the way way back kind of a type thing, where it's like like, seeking a
0: friend at the end of the world. Yeah,
1: where like she's like their neighbor and is going through a divorce or something and like befriends (laughs) him for some like he comes over to like work on her yard and they become friends or or, you know like that kind of a storyline more than this like dating thing because honestly the scenes that i liked the least in the movie were the sort of like more zany scenes (laughs) i thought the best ones were the ones that were just like the two of them either like chatting or sort of her struggling to figure out like how like gen z people interact with things or like what their thought process is i really liked the um the sort of musical scene at the restaurant where he sings the song to her i thought that was really sweet and he's obviously very talented because he is from broadway um yeah, I think I've I feel like that the hook is probably like what sold it, but I wish that this movie had been a little bit more quieter and like leaned into the coming of age portion of it more because I thought that that was more interesting to but me. But I think
0: like ultimately going a quiet route, you would have just gotten something like cha-cha real smooth where it's very centralized on the boys coming of age and like – I really don't – I didn't expect to go to bat for this movie because I really do think this is just like a forgettable whatever type of film. But I guess like the criticisms being rooted in something bigger than just the film itself is kind of like a puzzlement to me Um, because I I feel like it was serviceable, right? Like there were moments of laugh out loud, like jokes. I felt like some of the writing was really – Funny. I thought the double entendres where she was constantly making these innuendos that he kept missing was frankly very funny. I liked when he was like, when he starts kissing her finally, and then he has breaks out in a nervous rash. Oh, yeah, the
1: hive. I promise I'll
0: put out next time. Like, there was just something so funny that was happening that while the rest of the plot felt like patched together and the kind of run ins and issues they met with didn't really make sense. Like, I honestly like I laughed out loud when he when he like, you know, came between her thighs and then oh, was yeah. over and is like, did you come to like it was just like there was something endearing about this like stupid stupidity within the age gap and oh, like his yeah. innocence compared to her edginess. And I felt like that was an interesting, you know, source of humor and also humanity between them.
1: Yeah, no, I thought that I really liked those parts, too. I think that that, yeah. yeah, that's my favorite thing. And I think, like, I do think the Cha-Cha Real Smooth is a good comparison point with yeah. this. And I liked that movie, I think, more than you did. Yeah. Um, but but I think that if you had done a Cha-Cha Real Smooth and had the perspective sort of be more from the Dakota Johnson character instead of the boy, it would have shifted things a bit. Yeah. And I so i would have liked to see that version of this um i also just love friendship movies so much and i Mm -hmm. feel like we don't get enough of them and so especially kind of oddball pairings i think are fun to watch um you know so i don't know i yeah i think when you said serviceable that's a good word for this in my (laughs) mind like was it terrible no. Like, am yeah. I rushing to see it again? No. But no. at the same time, like, if somebody was like, hey, you know, um, like I'm looking for a movie to watch tonight. This is on Netflix. Like, do you think I should watch it? I'm like, sure, great. Like it's not <laughs> bad. I feel like Yeah. I think it's I think that your feeling about it is maybe how I felt about like Ticket to Paradise last year. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. which I liked m- a good yeah. bit more than this, but sort of felt similarly about like not not there wasn't the same like controversy with that movie, yeah. but sort of the criticism of it, um, and it not like being good enough or whatever. I was like, this yeah. is doing exactly what I wanted to be doing, and Julia Roberts and George Clooney are just like fun people to watch yeah. acting together, and so I'm there for it. Um,
0: yeah,
1: and no, I okay, I
0: am. I feel like you you're we always talk about missing like that ninety minute kind of filler movie. It just like rolls out and has this like nice moment, but doesn't change the world. And I think, you know, I'm not mad that this exists or that people spent money to make it. It just seems like it is what it is,
1: <laughs> yeah. I
0: mean, I think it
1: did do pretty well in theaters, though, yeah, I mean, like,
0: it not out the amazingly, but but yeah,
1: but like, um, but yeah, especially in comparison to some of the other things that have been out. And this also yeah. feels like it could be a word of mouth kind of success where, you know, it sort of continues to do well for the next couple weeks uh, yeah. as we sort of wait for the um, Mission Impossible slash Barbie <laughs> Oppenheimer trio to hit the theaters in July. Yeah, I
0: mean, this storyline isn't like winning awards, right? Like I I felt like there was some fun humor that made me happy to sit in a theater and watch it for 90 minutes. But when you pull back, you are kind of like, what is the deal with this house? Like why is Hassan Minhaj in this for like 30 seconds? And what is the deal with her friends? Like there was a lot that was like happening, but also nothing happening. And I feel like similar to a lot of these R-rated sort of rom-com like comedies, they don't ever know how to like finish after this like real deal breaker of a reveal, which is like him realizing his parents hired her out to deflower him. Um, And so once that happened, like the dinner party where he brings them both together and they have to pretend that they don't know each other, like that was funny. But I was very confused by him taking time out of that dinner to go smash the car like, on its own, that made sense. But then he comes back to dinner and has sex with her. Well, attempts. It quickly comes. And I was sort of like, wait, what was his What was his plan there? Like, he wanted revenge sex, but then also didn't and didn't seem that mad. But then they both kind of like, then he did yell at her to leave. And then they have this summer apart. And then it ends with her finally trying to make amends. Like, it was kind of, it kind of fumbled in the end. Like, it felt like it was just like, well, we got to get to the finish line somehow And it didn't really know how to line up the pieces. And I feel like that's just another kind of symptom of leading with a zany idea first and not really caring about the story as much.
1: It felt very much to me like it was put together by a studio kind of vibe (laughs) like they, okay, you have this premise, you have this star, you, you want to do a scene on the train. You, you know, it's like you have these sort of pieces and then you kind of like, yeah, we'll we'll shove it together at the end. Yeah. Um, I was thinking for whatever reason about the like, um, blockers, uh, game Mm -hmm. night combination when those came out. And I think that, I liked game night better than I liked blockers, but I think Mm -hmm. both of them like sort of knew where they were heading from the beginning. And so the endings of them worked well um, and sort of tied everything together where, yeah, this felt like they had sort of had the premise and then the ending, they didn't know what to do with. And so it, it just kind of like trickled off it. Yeah. There were lots of moments and side plots and things that like, kind of didn't work and I do feel like in general like if you watch a great comedy some of the best parts in it are the like peripheral characters or just weird asides you know like I did a ranking of Julia Roberts movies Back when I worked at BuzzFeed, and like I was watching Notting Hill, and so much of mm. the fun stuff in Notting Hill is like the random friends that they yeah. have, and like yeah, exactly. the other people who are at the press junket with her. You yeah. know, it's like these side things that like you or don't like really like even Billy remember.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, what? Yeah, you don't even really like remember when you're thinking about the plot of the movie, but then when you watch it, you're like, wait, there's like actually hundreds of good jokes. Or like yeah. Princess Diaries, I think is another one of those kind of. I think Gary Marshall does a really good job with that yes. kind of thing um, where this felt like they were sort of trying that in some points, but then it they it didn't quite really? always work or yeah. kind of land um, and they didn't really know what to do with it.
0: Yeah. Because like the whole, the overarching theme is that she's a Montauk like local who resents the rich people coming in and pricing them out and the summer crowd. And so I kept like expecting Like, like there's a scene at the very beginning where this douchebag wants a drink. And I thought like that would come up later. Like he would meet his just rewards or something. Like, you know, like, yes, that would have been predictable in a way. But also it felt unfinished in having this like be her whole personality. But then in the end, it's just like, oh, well, I'll just move to L.A. It's like, wait, why? Like, what? (laughs) Where are you going? What are you doing? Like, I feel like they just kind of didn't think anyone would care about the details. And they're like, it's Jennifer Lawrence. She's funny to watch. And she is like, you know, watching her rollerblade around yell at teenagers is funny, but it ultimately just like, as you walked away from the film, you're like, what, what was that? Like where, what, <laughs> what world did this exist in? Like what, why did mm-hmm. she make a big deal of selling her house? But then it just sold to her friends. Like I, I don't know. I wanted to understand. It
1: It did. I mean, the entire thing, I was just mesmerized by Jennifer Lawrence. And it did yeah. really impress upon me, like, how incredible she is as an actress. And yeah. especially at comedy and being like, okay, we need more of her. Like, keep her putting her in things because she's incredible. But, but yeah. yeah, also the whole plot line with, like, her dad used to be a. Yes. A, it was, like, a rich person who came out to Montauk and. Uh, like hooked up with the mom and then left And went back to the city and then she wrote a letter To him but he never responded and so she's Sort of like carrying this weird Sort of resentment and they tried To they tried to make sort Of a moment of that towards the yeah. end But I felt like it didn't really Stick the landing either yeah. And it was tied in with the like Are you gonna stay in Montauk are you gonna Leave kind of a thing um, yeah I do think that that is like an interesting Premise kind of Ooh, this yeah. gentrification Sort of Thing about like resort towns or you know, yes. like Nashville or Austin or these places that all of a sudden like get a boom and all of these people who've lived there forever yes. can't afford it, or like, um, Last Black Man in San Francisco was like that yeah. too.
0: No, but it's just like a buzzword, basically.
1: Yeah, but it but it, it needed more of a solid ending because, yeah, yeah, it's like if she loves Montauk and like that is her thing, then I feel like she. The ending needs to be like, oh, she figured out a way to like not only save her home, but also she's like opening a crab shack and it's like an authentic or, you know, something like that and not like, oh, I'm leaving, but my friends are staying here because I do think that they also could have done gone with the like she's been stuck in this small town. She's holding on to things she needs to leave
0: Mm. and play
1: that as the narrative arc. And then moving her moving to California makes sense, but they sort of were trying to do both of the things at the same (laughs) time. And it's like, well, you can't have that work because you're it's you want two diametrically opposite (laughs) things watching it. You like either want her to leave or you want her to stay. You can't like have it both ways,
0: yeah. Because it was like she was constantly yelling at these rich people, but it was like to what end, you know, there was no like real vindication there. Um, and also, it's just hard. It's a hard sell for a, for an actress to be screaming about this. And so if the character isn't real, like if the character isn't really richly colored like Last Black Man in San Francisco, then you just like never buy it fully. You're like, what? what's happening here? Like really? <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence? Jennifer Lawrence can't, you know, figure it out here. Like no, no hate to her acting abilities, which were great. I just mean the script didn't make us fully believe in this character. Like it felt very much a means to an end, which was basically just Jennifer Lawrence yelling as at as many people as she could. Cause well, then there was oh, that whole like party scene where I thought
1: Oh yeah. I like didn't there was like, like, like that they scene.
0: were making fun of her, like outdated, sort of homophobic adjacent jokes. And like I thought that would end up playing into it, but it was almost like a punchline at Gen Z. Like not, I don't know, not getting the jokes. But then it was also like he was in bed with this girl. But then they weren't hooking up. He had taken ibuprofen. Like I was very confused. Uh, yeah. By some of the some of the set pieces <laughs> that they used. Yes. Use. Yeah, um, that made no sense. And like, yeah, I honestly think the party had more room to be funny because having everyone judge her for being this like old person was you know, sadly too relatable for me at this phase in life where what? I see children and I'm like, what? I can't believe that's not me, but, but I also feel that like that was me.
1: We just saw this in the Rebel Wilson um movie. What was that called? The one where she was in a coma. We did oh, it on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> it's like I think that like expertly nailed all of those (laughs) kind of jokes of like this is an outdated person and now they're stuck with Gen Z like so well and it had like party scenes and all of that kind of stuff and so I was thinking about that movie when this when I was watching that party Mm -hmm. scene and I was like I can see what they're going for here kind of sort of but like it's not it's not like sticking, and again, it doesn't really connect with anything else. In the movie. That's why I was so shocked when people were like, "This is the best movie I've ever seen." Because yeah, there's I didn't so many things reviews. like that that are like obviously, or maybe it was just like mostly Twitter. But there's so many things here that are like obviously don't work. Like yes. not only it's not like oh I, you thought it was funny, but I didn't think it was funny. It's like. Just in the structure of the story, there are things that like objectively are not connected or are out of place or don't work within the premise. I was also really confused or maybe not confused, but like, in some places they're kind of talking about like, oh, all these rich people moved out here and now we can't afford to live here. But then there's also this plot line of like, oh, all these people who come out here for vacation in the summer and yeah. like fill up everything and then leave. Well, it's and, the summer
0: homes that are priced. Right,
1: yeah. And out. I'm like, I'm like, obviously those two things like go together in some regards, but I was like, I think that for the uh, like scripting purposes, like you need to sort of hit one of those notes harder or tie yeah. them together better. It was like, you know, kind of, um, kind of, I don't know, not necessarily confusing. Cause it's like, I knew what they were doing, yeah. but when they were talking about like, Oh, like we can't wait till October. Cause then it's just like the regular people. It's like, yeah, but then you still, like if is the the only problem is really like that the taxes right. have it's gone like, up because you already own now. the house like yeah right. it was just <laughs> not it didn't all quite yeah. work for me in the way that Well it and
0: did like do. yeah I guess I haven't looked at Florida real estate but it was such a random like state to throw in there as the place that her friends would end up moving to I guess because they couldn't they afford a house be... in Montauk
1: I guess it was like a oh well they wanna be by the water yeah, so they yeah. were gonna go <laughs> there. Was there. Going but on, right? I was like, Florida <laughs> like so is also not known for being a cheap place to live yeah, exactly. necessarily if you're gonna live by the water. Like yeah, if you're yeah. moving to Orlando, I think you can find stuff for dirt cheap. But like if you're if they're moving from Montauk and they're trying to move to like Fort Lauderdale, it's not like that's oh, yeah. a super cheap <laughs> option. I I think it would have made more sense if they were like we're moving to North Carolina or something like that.
0: Yeah also the like whole the whole like premise being around her car's impounded she can't do her summer job of Ubering and so she can't pay the taxes on the house and so she's going to lose the house. That felt like half-hearted at best because you just kind of get this montage solving it in the end where her like checking account literally goes green. (laughs) And I was just like, I was confused by that as well because it's like, okay, if this is like her central issue is like she needs a job,
1: like what's happening here? Is this like paid
0: for by Uber? Like who is promoting this as Uber can save your home? Like it just, it felt so random and yet so specific that I was distracted by it almost the entirety of the movie because they kept on bringing it up of like, I need this car more than more than anything. But then the like act of her banks harassing her wasn't even that interesting attention. Like it never came up really. Like, yes, Hassan Minhaj shows up and is like, I'll buy your house for you before the bank possesses it. But it's like, I thought there'd be more of this sort of nefarious bad guy or like hijinxy sort of avoidance of needing to stall for time or something. Because I think a lot of movies have proven that that is rich with humorous um, opportunities. But instead, it was just like background noise. And I think that ended up being my frustration with the film overall is that they didn't care about anything except the jokes between the two stars. Like, absolutely everything else was just half-hearted background noise. Like... There was no emotion to her friendships. There was no, like, tension with this weird nanny or his parents or her his, like, high school friend or the Princeton crowd. Like, there were these moments where I thought they'd lean into some sort of joke, but then it always just zeroed in on the two of them, having either a good time, a time where he misunderstood her sexual cues, or they're, like, wrestling in the water for some reason like it was just very strange it was like the simple parts of the movie
1: needed to be more complicated and the complicated parts of the movie (laughs) needed to be more simple it's like seeing a throat punch it's like okay great like yeah like this is the best you can do sort of as like the climax to a party scene is somebody getting punched in the throat accidentally like okay boring yeah but then with the how like the basic premise needs to be she needs money to get the car, but rather than just come up with some like obvious solution, they're like, okay, she owns a house. The house was given to her by the mother. She has been, she she doesn't actually (laughs) owe money on the house, but because taxes have gone up, she now owes money for the taxes. And then because of that, she like has the boot removed. It's like, there's way too much stuff going on there. And you're like, she could have come up with another way to get the money. Um, you know, like she couldn't have bought a bike to get to work or something yeah. like, yeah. And then also I'm glad you brought up the Kyle Mooney, uh, like old babysitter <laughs> bit that he's in what, like maybe two he's scenes. In two of the scenes. Movie? Yeah. Like and probably a the minute first, altogether. And, and the kid is talking about him for a bit and you think it's a girl because yeah. what's his name? Like Jackie or Joni or something. something Joni. Yeah. And so you think it's a girl and then it shows up, oh, it's Kyle Mooney, and they're like friends. And Kyle Mooney's basically like, Hey, like don't mess with my kid. But it felt like that in their original version of the draft, there was like something weirder going on (laughs) or there was like, like some, like, why is it? Why are they close? Like, what was the connection? But instead you just get this character that shows up for one scene to be like, Hey, Jennifer Lawrence, like don't mess with him. And then again, like toward the end and it didn't, do anything
0: yeah he's like i raised the taxes on your house and it's like she's like well jokes on you i sold it but then at the end she sold it to her best friend so it's like oh wait he did screw you over like yeah yeah it was just confusing and honestly i wonder yeah i ahead.
1: if i wondered if this was an example of something that maybe got chopped up too much in the editing room I don't like think I, so. Like, I wonder if there's, like, a two-hour-long version of this movie that, like, some of these side plots, like, make slightly more sense <laughs> that they just That's had to optimistic. cut out. I mean, I, really I don't think know.
0: it's just they were proud of the jokes they made because some of them were funny. Like, when they meet up at the bar and he's like, I'll have a Pepsi, and she's like, we only have Cokes. And he, like, looks at her and is like, should we go? Like, I literally yeah. <laughs> laughed out loud. And so I liked that. I think they were proud of some of these, like, one-liners and kind of bits between the two of them and, like, you know, watching her get more and more frustrated with this guy who's not leaning into any of her cues or, like, you know, thinking he was kidnapped or her, you know, telling him to go skinny dipping. Like, there was some really funny humor there. And I think they were just like, oh, well, this is enough. Like, you know, uh, it, it's like basically home renovations these days where it's it looks nice for Instagram. But if you pull back the curtain, it's like, wow, this was really shoddy workmanship. And um, I actually don't think you did a good job at all.
1: Yeah. No. No, I agree with that. It It was fine. It wasn't great. It was. Yeah whatever i did really like the actor who played the kid i thought yes. that he was great i'm excited to see whatever he ends up doing next because he seems very talented to harvard who knows might go back to harvard who knows? Um, might go to Har- might, <laughs> might go back to broadway I, it also <laughs> he was on high school musical the musical the series at some point oh he was That's his reoccurring guest role but i don't know like for what seasons oh, or how big of a role that was um yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like this could either be like a one-hit wonders sort of perfectly cast situation, or he's like on to bigger and better, because he was really fun to watch and he held his own against someone as like sharp and quick as Jennifer Lawrence. So, yeah, good to him, good for him, which is interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't feel like I have really anything else to say about this movie. Yeah. It kind of,
0: I mean, we sat through the wrong whatever. Missy, so. Pretty much anything. Oh pattern. yeah, I mean in
1: um. in the, the grant, like if we were to go back and add this to our rankings of the movies yeah. we've watched, like I liked this way more than that Sandra Bullock, um, Channing Tatum mm, yes. uh, rom com, yeah. The Lost City. Um, you know, there like it's not terrible, yeah. Yeah. but it's nothing that I would be writing home about. Like this is the <laughs> definition of a movie that I will never see again and will completely forget most of what.
0: Happened. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. Mm. Um.
1: But yeah, so this is our last episode for a bit because I'm going to Fire Island. Shelby's moving. We'll have to figure out what our new schedule is and what we're covering. Yeah. Um,
0: Hoping but, to be back for Mission Impossible. But if not, we always have Barbie.
1: Yes. Yes. The Barbie Oppenheimer we will be <laughs> ready to cover. I feel like we need to cover both in one episode. I
0: know. It's like, how are we going to do it, though? Okay. Boppenheimer. I'll, I'll commit. I'll commit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody's going to see them in one day. Like, that's yeah. the thing that everybody on Should Twitter is talking about, the double Should we see
0: one and then do a podcast where we pretend the other person saw our movie as well and see what happens there? I know, know
1: you don't want to watch Oppenheimer, <laughs> but you have to, Shelby. It's required viewing. Okay, okay, okay. And I, yeah, I I'll think. I'll
0: just pay for Barbie twice.
1: they told i've already got like confirmation that i'm going to an early oppenheimer screening so unless for some reason or another the both oppenheimer and barbie are screening at this on the same day for press i doubt i will have the experience of doing the double feature but you could do it (laughs) shelby
0: i mean you i'll have to take a day off of work for it what is oppenheimer like four hours we'll
1: have just do it on a saturday say rob you've got penny for the day I'm I'm okay. going to the theaters. Yeah, I'll I've got it out. <laughs> maybe Penny would like the Barbie movie. It's like yeah, colorful. maybe.
0: I mean, she sat through Elemental. It has to be better than that.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that I was looking at the box office, and Elemental beat out this in the box office. Yeah, like well. number one is. Um, across the Spider Verse, which makes sense because that's great. Yeah. But the number two was Elemental, and I was like, "Who is like who is it's going to see that?" Keys,
0: man, families. They I guess, but they see boy, one movie a year. Suck. They don't read reviews,
1: right? But if there's if there's only seen one movie a year, like go see Spider Man.
0: You know? <laughs> it's too dark. Too dark. I guess. It's
1: scary. Okay. Well, good luck on your move, Shelby. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Good luck in Fire Island. Honestly. Yeah.
1: It's, it's which one of us is going to have. Uh... <laughs> Going to face more danger day. and tribula- tribulation. Uh, unclear.
0: Yeah. Who's more likely to answer desperate Craigslist ads?
1: One hundred percent, me, definitely. <laughs> Although I guess for moving, you also answer a lot of Craigslist ads. So yeah. it could be both. Like honestly, we both could have answered a Craigslist ad yes. by the end of this.
0: That's true. We'll have to touch base.
1: Mm. Uh, well. Until next time, everybody. We'll be back in, you know, one week, two weeks, three weeks. Who knows? But we will return at least briefly before we have to shut down the podcast. because. Um, but thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.